As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bounds were unfastened. When the jailers woke and saw that the, the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, surprised, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out, and he said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them to the same hour... Took, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates has sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. And Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly and, and uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these things to the magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took him out and asked him to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Let me pray and then we will jump into this. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the power that is within here. And we thank you for the instruction that is within here. Father, help us to glean what you want us to glean from these words this morning. We pray, Father, that you would be our teacher, our leader in these words. Uh, Help us, Father, to have a spirit that is yielded to you as we uh, talk about these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So while most of us are not going to experience this, where we are shackled and thrown in jail, or at least hopefully you don't experience this, but I think what we can ex- relate to in a sense is that our, there are times that our hearts and our emotions can feel like they are locked up and behind bars. And so we're going to kind of approach it that way a little bit and so that we can relate to uh, these words and what it is saying here you see, these times of, of imprisonment, whether they are emotionally or spiritually, uh, you know, our hearts are trapped uh, in bondage, uh, we can often wonder why God permits it. That's one of the things that, you know, I kept wondering as I was reading through these scriptures this week is why would God allow all of these different hardships come upon Paul? And it seems like every time we open the, the word and we're going on this road journey to Paul, it just seems like he has barrier after barrier, trouble after trouble. And it's just like, you know, God always delivers him, right? 
I mean, he always somehow, he gets stoned and left for dead, but he doesn't die. And I think it's by the mercy of God because God has something, you know, to do through him. But it just seems like God permits this kind of behavior to continue to discontinue to go on in Paul's life. And I think that we can relate to that because there are times when we find ourselves in really tough situations and we're just wondering, God, why is this happening to me or to my loved ones? What I'm hoping to to express through the Word of God here today is that when those times of difficulty and, and struggle and feels like that we are imprisoned by something, that there are amazing opportunities around us if we will just see them. And, and God's uh, difficulties that he allows to come into our lives are actually to, for us to be able to advance the gospel. Because remember, one of the things we have learned as we are going through this journey with Paul is that Paul is on a mission, is he not? I mean, he is on a mission. He literally is, is out to do something that is, instead of kill Christians like before Jesus, now that he has found Jesus in the light, he is out to save people and make them, you know, help them become Christians in Christ Jesus. And what we have learned is that is our mission as well. And so when we have difficulties in our life, for us to just begin to realize that they're actually opportunities. These oppositions are opportunities. Opportunities in the oppositions are through the oppositions. So tough, tough times are not wasted times in God's plan. God is not wasting any of these difficulties in our lives. And so therefore, we should at least be able to, like James, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Why? Because it will end up making us perfect, complete, not lacking anything. Right? And it will also end up giving us opportunities that we would have never had if it wasn't for these difficulties. And so I hope that we will get there. I came across this little saying, you know, because bad days are just happened to all of us, right? And so there was this little illustration that says, you know that it's going to be a bad day when? You know it's going to be a bad day when you call suicide prevention and they put you on hold. It's probably a bad day. You know it's a bad day when you see a 60 Minutes news team waiting for you in your office. You know it's a bad day when you turn on the news and they're showing emergency routes out of your city you live in. You know it's a bad day when your twin sister forgets your birthday. (laughs) You know it's a bad day when you wake up and you discover the waterbed broke and there is a mess everywhere. And then you realize you don't have a (laughs) waterbed. I don't even want to talk about that. You know it's a bad day when your horn goes off accidentally, but then it remains on and it just so happens you're following Hell's Angels down the freeway. But you know, we all have bad days. But what do you do when you have bad days? Hopefully, I think, as we read through the scripture and think about the scripture, that we realize that there's opportunities in those bad days. Opportunities to continue doing this mission that God has given us to do. Opportunities that will help us advance the mission more than we would ever be able to do without the bad days in our lives. And Hopefully we will see that as we look not only for those opportunities, but we take advantage of those opportunities, we are setting ourselves up for the deliverance of God in our lives. Because he is going to deliver us, just like he does for Paul over and over and over again. You see, the Bible teaches us that we are to remain 
confident in our God and continue to worship worship him, no matter what our situation is, no matter what kind of things are going on in our lives, we just continue to worship him. We continue to just have confidence in him and, and, and just continue to do his work, awaiting him to deliver us. And that's the attitude he wants. So I just have a couple things I want you to see here. And that is, the first one is, is that God is in the harassment that comes with ministry. God is there in that. Like, like there's a purpose in it. Like, I don't think that it just happened to us and God's just like, well, when you get done with this, then, then we'll get you doing what we actually, I had actually intended for you to do. Rather, I think God allows it to happen to open up opportunities. And God is in the harassment that uh, is in this ministry opportunity of Paul and Silas. We see there in verse 16, verse 16, that they are in Philippi. In Philippi, remember, they went outside of their homeland, and they're in, like, Europe. They're in this whole new area. And what is the first thing that we always have found as we've been walking through this so far with Paul? Where's the first place that he goes when he goes to a new town? The synagogue. But interestingly, we don't see him going to the synagogue when he gets to Philippi. Well, the reason is, is because there's no synagogue established yet. So where does he go? He goes to the riverside, and that's where he meets Lydia, which we've already encountered Lydia, and has this conversation there with her. But the reason that they are down by the river is because that is the closest thing that they have to a synagogue. I guess, from what I study, there has to be at least ten men to establish a synagogue. And what is it that we found when they get to Philippi? That he finds at the riverside a bunch of ladies. And so he talks to Lydia and ends up baptizing Lydia. And, and so evidently there's not 10 men to establish a synagogue. And so usually they would just go down by the river because that was a public area to gather and they would worship God there. And Paul knew that that was the next best thing to go into a synagogue, to be able to talk to people about Jesus. And so that's why we found them, find them there. Nevertheless, Paul and Silas, they're faithful to what they are, their journey is all about, and that is to share Jesus. And so they, they go there and they begin to share Jesus. But what, they, what happens often when you go out in your world and you begin to try to make Jesus known in your world, you're going to find that Satan is right there trying to find ways to discourage you from doing that. And you will find that there will be harassments that will come up in your life, people that will just try to discourage the whole thing. And that's what Paul and Silas, they have here, is they have this young woman who evidently is demon-possessed. She's able to predict the future. And she's able to do it in kind of a unique way. The word that is used there is the word that we get the word for, for ventriloquist. In other words, she's able to kind of like throw her voice, you know, in different directions. But it was woeing the people, right? And, and the people that kind of took ownership of her, in other words, are using her, uh, were using, a, using her for gain. They were making money off of this young lady, you know, and her ability to do this. But unlike a, a magician or, you know, or a ventriloquist who learns just how to master a, a, a gift, uh, a trick, so to speak, 
this woman evidently was able to do this not because she's mastered anything, but because something has mastered her, right? Like there was a demon in her. But I have to just pause for a second and just kind of, I can't help but assume something here, and that is, I think that anybody that intentionally tries to discredit God or take focus upon God, I wonder if they don't have a spirit within them as well. Because we all are choosing to whom we are going to listen to in our lives. And sometimes we can be listening to not the influence of God, but we can listen to the influence of Satan. Maybe it comes from little Jimmy or, or little Sarah, but really it's, it's anything that is contrary to the voice of God in our lives is, is us putting ourselves in a bad situation. But either way, we have this woman who is, seems to be demon-possessed, and she's going around and just following them and mocking them and just harassing Paul and Silas's ministry. And it says here in verse 17, it says, These men's, men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, doesn't it sound like that her, what she's saying is okay? I mean, it, it seems like that you, what she's saying is like promoting God. But it annoyed Paul, and it was an harassment to Paul and his ministry. See, it wasn't that what she was saying was bad. is that Paul wanted her to shut up because he was afraid that people would start associating what they were sharing with a demon-possessed woman. And he wanted to make sure that God was the one elevated and not Satan getting the credit or anything of that sort. And so he turns and he casts out the demon. You know, many days went on when this was going on. He cast out the demon. No doubt people would have, you know, mixed the two together and they would have somehow warped this. And, and just like they were always saying that Jesus it has the spirit of Beelzebub, and Jesus was saying, you know, a house divided itself against itself cannot stand, and he was struggling with this because people want to do that. They want to believe what they want to believe. And so Paul was trying to eliminate this woman and get her out of the picture. This was obviously a frustration to Paul and his co-workers and what they were trying to do and carry out God's work and I think that for us just to pause for a moment and just realize that if you're going to be about God's work, and I pray and hope that you are because that is what God has called you into, then you have to realize that no matter where you are, whether you are at school or your employment or in the community, you're going to run across so many oppositions that Satan will have for you, so many things to harass you and to try to stop you and to shut you up or to try to discredit you and what you are saying. You will try to do something good for someone and your car will break down. And you'll just be like, okay, I'm done with that. You'll try to do something good for someone and you'll end up breaking their stuff. And you'll be like, okay, I'm done with that. Or you'll, some, you'll try to do something, you know, tell somebody something, and someone will come along and just annoy you, and you'll be like, okay, I'm done with that. Unless you see how important this ministry is. 
And as long as you see how important it is, you'll be able to get through the harassment. You know, this last week we had really a cool thing that happened with Westside. And that is we got an opportunity. We were invited. We've done this several times. But we were invited up with the police officers up on the hill. They always rent out the uh, pool and let all of the community come and share, you know, some free swimming from like 5.30, I think it was, until 8.00. And uh, they invite some of the churches to come up and to participate, you know, just being able to provide something for the community as well. And so in the past, what we've always done is taken our, our, our bounce house up there and set it up for the kids to come, you know, and get out of the pool and come and jump on our bounce house. And it's always a little bit of, you know, just annoying because they're all wet and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you can't tell because some kids will be like, he went to the bathroom. Well... I don't know if he did or not. I think they're just all wet, but I don't know. But So you have all of that going on. And, and we passed out hot dogs in the past. And so we had new volunteers this year. We had a bunch of volunteers this year. We had Connor and Julia and Carrie and Cole and, and Matthew and Madison and Amber. And I think that's it, if I'm missing somebody. Haley. Okay. And so we had all of these people go up and represent our church up on the hill with the bounce house and passing out hot dogs. Lori and I got the stuff together and we got 150 hot dogs. We kind of have forgotten how many hot dogs get passed out. But uh, so 150 was like about half of what we should have had. They had passed out 150 hot dogs pretty quick. Uh, So next year we're going to try to do 300. But what was interesting, I asked them when they got back, because we were, Lori and I were here at church watching the kids while they went off doing this ministry uh, for the church. And I, I said, how'd it go? And they said, oh, it went great. Besides, we didn't have enough hot dogs, you know. Uh, but another thing came out of that, and that is that it, it was frustrating that people would come up, you know, like to your little booth that you had set up. And there was several different booths, you know, there was... There was a church that was passing out like watermelon. I think one was passing out maybe water or something, but different things. And so we were passing out free hot dogs, you know, just having them there for them. And, and they would come up and they would be like, where's the chips? Where's the water? You know, and then so they, not that it was a big deal to them, but, but uh, that is something that I've experienced a lot when you do free things in the community. It just seems like you have this entitlement mentality like, you're not loading me up enough, you know, uh, with your free stuff. So, so I thought of, like, the perfect thing for us to do next year. Because, see, here's the thing, is we will have frustrations, but we need to learn in the midst of the harassment and the frustrations that we have while we're doing ministry is to realize there's opportunities, right? And so I thought of one opportunity. So next year we're going to be prepared we're going to have 300 hot dogs, right? And we're going to pass them out, and we're going to go expecting that they're going to say, where's the chips? Where's the water? And we're going to say something like, well, we did that on purpose. We wanted to show you that it's not always going to be satisfying when you eat food, right? And even when it is satisfying, it's not going to last forever. But Jesus is the bread of life, and he is like, you know, the water that never quits satisfying And we're going to be able to just use it as an opportunity. But I think that that's one of the things that I gained here from the scripture. Is how Paul never got upset about anything really. Because he always realized that there was going to be opportunities to come out of it. Although he was pretty frustrated here in this. But I do think that there was an opportunity maybe he even missed at the very beginning. 
because he was frustrated with this woman, he just turns to her after days, instead of just healing her at the beginning, right, and casting out this demon at the beginning, he just got where he was frustrated and fed up, and he just turned almost out of frustration, cast out this demon in her. And I just started thinking this week, like, does he realize that he freed her from her own bondage? Like, she had this bondage of Satan living in her, and she was freed from that. Just like the jailer was freed from his bondage, right? And that is the freedom of sin. It'd be real easy to read through the scripture and only see that only Paul and Silas were freed from their bondage. But there was a whole lot of free, freeing that was taking place. And it was because how God allows these things to enter our lives. And so this woman, maybe her prayer had been, you know, God help me. And then Paul ends up, because of the harassment, freeing her. You see, we can, we can be so focused on Paul and company that we forget that God is working in everybody's lives. He's working in Lydia's life if she was the one who was crying out for Macedonia, come and help us, right? Or whoever that was. But God is always working in people's lives. And, and so I think for us to, to see that, that in the midst of no matter what we do, we always look for opportunities to share Jesus with people. Now, however, her delivery just made more trouble for Paul and Silas. At least it appears that way, right? Because she is freed now from her bondage, but the people that owned her, so to speak, and using her were very upset because all of their livelihood was going down the drain. You know, their fortune-telling, you know, empire just, you know, collapsed. And so they were trying to figure out how to recover some of this, and they were angry, and they grabbed Paul and Silas. What's interesting is they could not take them and have them tried and beaten for what they did, so they had to lie and make it up. And it just makes you realize that that is the way Satan works, isn't it? Not only does harassment come in ministry, but also even worse things can come because we are trying to do the Lord's work. And so the second thing I want you to see here is that God is in harassment in the harassment that comes in ministry, but he also is with us when we are behind prison doors. And actually what I'm saying to us is when, when hardships, when persecution, when trouble comes our way because we are doing his work. You see, when people lose their wealth because of the gospel, things begin to happen. <laughs> we definitely have been seeing that on the political stage, right? Money talks. Do you ever wonder, like me, if, if those thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who voted against the Value Them Both Amendment, were they actually voting for women to have the right to kill an unborn child, or were they actually fighting against God himself? Because I kind of think that really what's going on in the world that we live in today is more of a spiritual battle than it is a physical battle. And I think it is people who are just not going to put up with somebody telling them how to live their lives morally, even God. And they are just not going to listen to it 
because they are about building their own little empire, their own little fortune-telling contraptments, and they are going to be throwing a fit if all of that begins to go away. You know, ministry sometimes brings opposition. It means that we stand up against ungodly causes, and sometimes we just take the heat that goes with it, just like Paul. He is standing up against ungodliness, and that's why he cast out the woman, the demons that was in the woman. That's also why he ends up in prison, is because of the ungodliness, and he's standing up against that, but he takes the heat. And I think that that is so important for us to understand in our society because of all that is going on and all that we want right in the world and all we want to be against in the world, we have to do it God's way, realizing we are representing him, not representing ourselves. And so Paul and Silas, you see how this ends? Like after all of it said and done and they're freed because God freed them, they were free to go and everybody wanted them to go and they're like, no, we're not going anywhere. You shouldn't have ever beaten us. You shouldn't ever put us in jail. Why? Because I'm a Roman citizen. And they were terrified. Remember, they came and apologized to him. He could have thrown that card at the very beginning, could he not? Could he have, would he have just forgotten that? No, you don't forget things when they're about to beat you and throw you in jail. You remember all of your resources. But Paul is teaching us here to not take matters into our own hands and not to do things that are not led by God. In First Peter chapter 3, I want to read this to you because I think this is so important for us as followers of Jesus Christ because we see a lot of ungodliness, just like what happened this last week. And it'd be really easy for us to think that we're just going to have to do things our way but this is what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says. But even if you, you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no, one fear of, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with what? Do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And I think that we can have a tendency to see ungodliness and think, well, this is how we handle ungodliness. We were talking about, you know, the third commandment in our Sunday school class, which is do not use the Lord your God's name in vain. And if you do, that he will not overlook that, by the way. And we were just talking about all that it really means. It's not just meaning do not, you know, use cuss words uh, in that sense. But he's also talking about just your livelihood. We represent God and who we are. And, and so we give God a good name or a bad name to the people in our life. And so, do you know that the Crusades, this is one of the things that brought what came up in our class, but the Crusades, people went around saying, in the name of Jesus, and they did these horrific, horrible things. I mean, immoral things in the name of Jesus or in the name of God. 
And I think that we, if we aren't careful, we could do the same types of mentality, have the same mentality. But the point is, is that you don't see that Paul is, is doing that. He is taking advantage of the opportunities that are before him, but doing it in a way that honors God and promotes what God wants. So, they figured out how to get Paul and Silas in jail by lying and, and conniving, and Paul and Silas just let them do that. Satan, it'll always appear like Satan fights dirty because he does fight dirty. But Paul and Silas, they aren't ruffled by it. They just almost seem to embrace the opportunity that it presents. And when the authorities realize that the crowds were angry, they end up having them beaten and thrown in jail. You see, sometimes when this happens, instead of us seeing it as an opportunity that God is laying out for us, we see it as, where is God? In fact, most of the time when this happens, most people are tempted to start questioning God's love for them and start questioning, you know, why God would allow this to happen. Was God unfair? Was he being unfaithful when they were trying to be faithful? Why would God want them to experience so much pain and imprisonment? And yet, all the way through the Bible, we read word after word after word that the world will hate you and it will treat us just like it treated Jesus. And we should have the mindset to Jesus and realize that it is, what did Jesus do? He just saw it as an opportunity. He, Paul sees it as an opportunity, and we just have to realize that these things are going to come. And we are right where God wants us to be. So this ordeal was not wasted. God never allows things into our lives to destroy us. Do you believe that, church? But he will allow tough things come into our lives to advance the kingdom. And if that is our priority, advancing the kingdom, then at the end of the day, we will be okay with that. Because haven't we been praying, God, use me? God, lead me. God, help me accomplish your will. Help me accomplish your things. And this is how God accomplishes it. What did they do? Well, they just got through being beaten. They were put in prison and they're shackled together. And what did they do? Complain? They begin to sing praises to God. And it says that the prisoners were listening to their hymns and their praises. In other words, they were preaching out of their pain. And people were taking notice. And that's the thing is, is people will notice the real deal, won't they? They will notice that when we have hard times and we just continue to trust God to deliver us and not try to take matters in their own hands, they will recognize when we have hard times, we lean upon him and just put our faith in him and continue to worship him and to praise him in the midst of all of that. There's no question about it, no question about God's will, about God's goodness. 
And there was no why me, Lord, in their worship. It was just all you, Lord. And may you receive the glory forever and ever. Amen. I was reading about, like, how they used to uh, uh, harvest their wheat. And I don't really, I'd like to see a picture because I don't know that I really understood it as I was reading about it. But, but they would take their wheat and their bundles and they would have this, this wagon and it would kind of like have these spiky um, things in, in, the, in the, the rocks that would roll over them. And it would just kind of crush, uh, it wouldn't crush the grain, but it would just kind of crush up all of the material. And it would be a two-gate two-person project. One guy would be putting it in, and the other guy is running the stone that is going over it. And at the ends, you would have your wheat. Everything else would just blow away or be able to be uh, sifted away. Interesting, this is what caught my attention, that that unit that they used for harvesting was called the trimble. Trimbulum. Trimbulum? It's T-R-I-B-U-L-U-M. Trimbulum. Anyway, it's where we get the word tribulation. That was interesting to me. Like, what is going on when they're doing this? They are bringing tribulation upon the wheat, but it's not to destroy the wheat. It's to harvest the wheat. And it's just starting to make me think, so when tribulation, you know what the word tribulation means, I'm sure. Hardship, when tough times, difficulty comes in your life, God didn't put it there to crush you. He put it there to, you know, harvest the crop and to bring about good. It was meant to be something, an instrument for good and advancement and prosperity instead. And I think that for us to see that the way that Paul and Silas did, because I think that they believed that. Why else would they just sit there be singing hymns and praises instead of being like complaining and grumbling and saying, God, where are you? That night, there was an earthquake, and the doors were open, their shackles were broken loose, and they were free to go because of God. But they did not go. And the reason is, is because they saw this jailer was about to take his own life, and they stopped, and they shared Jesus with him. Because they learned, I don't know that they saw the young demon woman as an opportunity, or they wouldn't have put up with it as long, but they saw immediately that this jailer was an opportunity and they took advantage of it. And sometimes we'll miss the opportunities and sometimes we will see them, but we ought to always be praying for them and realize that they mostly come through our difficulties in life. The best lessons you can teach your kids is how you go through difficulties in life. The best lessons you can teach your coworkers is how you go through the difficulties of life. The best thing that we can do in any situation when people are harassing us or trouble is coming is for us to look for these opportunities. And that's what Paul and them did. And I think that that is the biggest lesson that we can take from this passage of Scripture. Let's pray. Father God, we uh, thank you so much for the lessons that we learned here. You have called us to be about your work, to be about this ministry of reconciling the world to you. Father, you've given us this amazing message of salvation, this message of Jesus, and what he has done for each and every one of us. 
And we know, Father, that as we go about trying our best to share the good news with others, that we are going to have people and situations that will come and try to discourage us. Help us, Father, today to remember that that all that means is that there has to be an opportunity here. And for us to look for it and seize it. Help us, Father, to know that if anything comes that seems to enslave us or imprison us because of our relationship with you, that you will just... You will be our provider of escape. You will be the one who sets us free. And for us to just rest in you and to be faithful and to serve you. Help us, Lord, to look for opportunities for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.